This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. All right, trade deadline day has come and gone, and this is episode, I actually do have to look this up. I think it's 69. 69! (laughs) What movie is that? I'm thinking of a number in my head. What is it? 69, dude. No idea. Really? Yeah. Like I listen, I I don't take in the same information, useless information, I might add. (laughs) It's useful in moments like this because there are going to be people that listen to this episode and they're going to be like, oh, I know that was Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. How does Craig not know that? But anyway, Craig doesn't know that because Craig doesn't care. Craig's all business. Craig is nuts and bolts, and I'm a little more, I'm the greasy, I'm the grease that, you know, just like, you know. You're the grease ball, yep. I'm the grease ball. I like to throw in the, uh, the as, as you and Gio referred to me the other day, or I referred to myself with you and Gio, just the side dish. I add like the nonsense. In fact, speaking of nonsense, and this was not nonsense, we're going to have JR on here in a little bit, and he will talk to us and tell us who all the contenders are now after the deadline. We're going to talk some sabers. But I went on Shred and Reagan here in Buffalo uh, this morning. I went into studio with the guys, and I don't know if, you, if anyone's ever heard them. If you haven't, they're on 97 Rock. These guys are unbelievable, okay? They are, <laughs> like, um, they are like a Howard Stern-type show in terms of talk show. They throw some music in there. They talk a lot of music, a lot of pop culture. Um, they had a funny bit going on this morning. Um, I, I, can't even, I can't even tell you what it was about, but it was... Anyway, it was Urban Dictionary stuff versus real stuff that you would order on a menu. <laughs> on a menu, so people would call in and they'd say, is, a, is the Denver omelet on a menu at this place in California or is it an Urban Dictionary uh, type thing? And then they'd have to guess or whatever to win tickets to a concert. But anyway, so I went on with them. We talked to all Sabres trade deadline stuff. You know, they brought, they played a clip of our, our podcast about, uh, you know, when we shredded Jack Eichel there uh, last week or two weeks ago. But anyway, so it was fantastic. Those guys are great. It was a lot of fun. So I'm already warmed up for this, Craig. You're just getting out of the wrapper, just threw your 2007 haircut together. and Yeah, just getting out of the wrapper, eh? Three kids in the house, chaos every single morning, boom shakalaka. I'm here ready to rock and roll. Are you involved in the chaos? Uh, no, no. I just drink coffee throughout the whole thing, but, um, it it's, I'm supportive. I'm there. You're there in body. Yes. That's kind of, yep. All right. Well, you know what? There are some guys that are still here in body and mind and soul and spirit with the Buffalo Sabres that I, I I mean, I wasn't sure if they were going to make a ton of deals yesterday to be completely honest with you. Um, I had heard later on throughout the day that that negotiations on certain things weren't going very well. So I fired out my token tweet, but I'd heard, you know, early that, you know, they weren't going to be probably making any moves. Um, are you, are you surprised? We'll start with the Sabres. Are you surprised uh, with what deals were made and not made? I guess with just Robert Hag being done. Well, I think everybody that was paying attention to uh, deadline day was, you know, you wanted to see a, you know, somewhat of a, a struggling team in the league, make moves, dump salaries off, get 
um, draft picks for the future. And the interesting part about it, I, you know, Kevin Adams decided to trade, um, um, hag to Florida for a six round draft pick, um, which, you know, a six round draft pick is essentially bugger all in, in, in this league. Um, it, it usually, it usually a, a very, very high percentage of the time does not uh, translate to, to an NHL hockey player. Um, you know, when you're, when you're drafting kids in the sixth round and, uh, you know, like after the deadline was over, you know, everybody, there's a lot of people that were kind of, uh, you know, raising the eyebrows. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they trade Eakin? Why didn't they get rid of, you know, Pissick or, or Colin Miller and, you know, after sitting down and just kind of like taking it all in. And, and actually listening to Kevin Adams speak in his press, press conference, I'm a hundred percent in, like not even 99% in with the, with the, um, the direction in which they chose to go. They did not get the, um, the level of pick in order to move a Colin Miller or a uh, Cody Eakin or, or, you know, Pissick or, or whoever they were looking to trade. There was not a whole lot of interest. And I love this idea of keeping these players because right now, as a Sabres fan, if you have watched this team over the last number of years, it March has been the most bismal, uh, bismal month for the last like 10 years. And this team right now, watching this team, two major, major games back-to-back, or uh, not back-to-back, but two um, close games against Toronto Maple Leafs with two big wins. Um, watching this team have probably the most, you know, emotional game against the Vegas Golden Knights and Jack Eichel coming to town and them playing exceptionally well. Then... You know, with all of this emotion aside, the outdoor, the Heritage Classic, the outdoor game, they, they travel out to a three-game Western trip out, out West, and they get blown out completely. And the funny thing is, you and I both know this, that that game, I mean, if you're a betting man, you were 100% betting on Edmonton because there's going to be a letdown. There's travel. There's a time change. There's the emotional letdown of all these high-end games that they've played. And then, to my surprise, and I think to a lot of people's surprise, the games against Calgary and Vancouver. This team. Like, how do you not love this hockey team right now? How do you not love how aggressive and how hard and and how much they're playing for one another. They're scoring goals. It's not just one or two people. They're getting goals from all over. Hey, Petey, how about Rasmus Dahlin? How oh, about that B plus? No, no, no. Fuck no. off. You, you fuck off. No, no. Don't go how and about s- the B plus smash shit in my face because, that- oh, look at I'm right. I'm right. You know no, what, no, no. Riv? The guy yeah, was terrible right. at the start of the year. Terrible. No, he wasn't. No, oh. he wasn't. Okay, you know what I'm. You know what I'm not going to sit he here and take. Not I'm not going to take your stance from on the show and off the show and mend them together. But I am going to tell you that don't sit here and tell me that you've been in the Rasmus Dahlin camp all along. 
guys had. So what? Like, I'm not saying that he's a bust. Well, that's and I'm, interesting I never, because I, at the halfway point in the season, I'm the only one who gave him a, a mark that I feel he deserves. He's in a situation that he is a 21-year-old hockey player, still learning, okay, still very, very – he's like a sponge right now. And I gave him a B plus because I actually thought that he, under the circumstances of, of the team and where the team is at, he play, he's been playing very well. I gave him a B plus and you guys ripped my head off. If you were to give him a mark right now at the three-quarter mark in the season, he is an A plus. He is an A plus. And the way that he's playing, the confidence that he's playing with, he's aggressive. He's mucking it up and cross-checking and, and keeping guys accountable in front of his own net like Matthews. And this kid is not only adding offense, but he has really started to mature his overall game. And I, like, I mean, as a Sabres fan, you have to be extremely, and I mean extremely pleased with the direction. I am very happy that he's figuring it out. Yes. But I'm not going to sit here and say that he's been great all year. I will sit here and admit that, you know what? Yeah. I criticized his game at certain points. In fact, I even at one point said that uh, Owen powers makes Darlene expendable. That's how poorly he was playing earlier in the year. And I wasn't the only one that said it. There were a yep. lot of people that said it to the point where now there's this Rasmus Darlene apology form. Have you seen this going on around social media? Got sent no. to me. Got connected. Come on. Right here. Rasmus Darlene apology form. To Rasmus Darlene, it has the date, who it's from, reason for behavior. I don't know hockey. Okay. Was jealous of Rasmus Darlene. Mercury was in retrograde. Media told me he was bad, only listened to Twitter, didn't watch the actual games. None of those applies to me. Okay? Yeah. It has a checkbox for, I'm sorry for my behavior, and I hereby respect Rasmus Dahlin. And then it says at the bottom, the apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect. I like, are you, you know, I think that's funny. I think that's funny. But on the Dahlin note, he was terrible some games this year, lost yep. defensively, yep. lost, abused physically, like not, you know, you say what you want about the slinky in his spine and the toe drags and all the shifty. Yeah. It's great that he has that, mm -hmm. but it wasn't on display. And, and even though that wasn't on display, what was on display was his lack of defensive awareness. How many times did we see him with his back turned to the man on the side of the net uh, to a wide open guy? I can name you countless goals. So like my criticism and anyone else's criticism of Darlene earlier in the year was actually merited. Now all the people, when Darlene starts playing well, it's like, Oh, look at this. Fuck you. I told you so. No, that's yes. He's got his head out of his ass. That's fantastic. Now, can he maintain it? Can he start next year this way and finish next year this way? Like that's what I'm looking for. But there have been, there were nights where it seemed like he was lost. So yes, the criticism was warranted when a player is a first overall, and you know, pick, it's about generational talent, $6 million per year. You expect him to be a certain way. 
uh, and he wasn't every single night. And I know it's hard to perform every single night. I know it's hard to perform every single night. One, because I played in the league. And two, because I played in the league next to guys that were expected to perform every single night. So I know how hard it is. Yep. So, so I don't want to hear, you know, it, it's not that I care if it's shoved in my face. It's the fact that it's like, don't say that it wasn't merited. Period. End you said, of story. You gave him a goddamn D. Oh, I gave him a D. You gave him a D. And, and he might have had a on you know for what? giving him a B plus. He might have, he you know might have had a, a bad game. Plays. Hold on. I wasn't He's the only defense. one. Hold on. He's a defenseman that plays 25 minutes a night minimum on a struggling team offensively and defensively that went through six goaltenders at the time. And at the time, he was one of the reasons. He was one of the guys struggling defensively. 100%. He there was, was a few times that he made defensive mistakes, but you could have said that about all of the defense core. Could have said that, but none of them were number one overall. None of them were generational talents. None of them carried the weight of the future on their shoulders. So, yes, I look for different... So, you were, you, so you're looking at expectations, not what he, what he provided. He provided a tremendous amount on a very struggling team. And that's why I gave him a B plus because if he would have taken that game and put him on the Florida Panthers or a Colorado avalanche, like, you know, I want to know what Kale McCarr. Okay. He's not Kale McCarr. He's baby Jesus. He's baby Jesus right now. Kale McCarr. Go put him on the Buffalo Sabres on a nightly Six basis. Six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus. You take Rasmus Dahlin, you put him on a top team, a top five team in the league, you are going to have your head shake with what he's going to do. That's why I gave him a B plus because I felt even though he had defensive blunders, he was moving forward. If you're talking about a year ago, like one calendar year ago, okay, when he started the season with Yoki Haru and they were literally, and I'm going to literally the worst defense pair in the National Hockey League. The worst. But Don Granato, remember him, Petey? The experiment? He oh, fuck. took you're, over. You're unbelievable. Rasmus Jesus, went and took off. Just took off. You look at all of the players right now that are starting to take off and evolve their game with confidence. It all starts with Don Granato. And I, I just, for me, you know, this deadline, we're talking about the deadline. I'm happy that Kevin Adams decided to sit on his hands a bit because I think it's more important for this hockey team to continue the direction that they've been going in the last number of games month that they want to finish this season strong. They've got 21 games, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they want a strong finish. They want to finish with an attitude. They want to make a point. I don't care. There's going to be a lot of hungry teams out there, a lot of desperate teams that are playing for points. And this is for the Sabres right now to continue to play like we've all watched. And why disrupt and tear apart 
you know, these veteran guys like Cody Eakin, who's looks like he's played very well the last number of, of games, months plus. So you won know, some big late faceoffs. Huge, huge. You no, know, I mean, people don't Game put value changer. on that. They don't put value on that. Like, oh, get rid of Eakin. You know, he's this, he's that. Well, then throw out Tage Thompson, who has had, you know, not much success in the faceoff circle with 30 seconds left up by a goal. Do that. See how that plays out. I'm not saying it won't play out. I'm saying you want to put a guy in there who has experience in that role. Or you want to put a guy in there that has no experience in that role. Whether these games mean something or not, you still want to win them. Yeah. Don Granado wants to win them. But you also want to give opportunity to a, to a guy that's going to be here taking these draws for maybe the next five to seven years. Is he a guy that's probably not going to be Tage Thompson is potentially your number one centerman still yet to be determined, but potentially shaping up that way. doesn't mean he has to be the guy taking the face. What, how often does the superstar centerman always take the late, late game face off? A lot of times when I played here in Buffalo, Jokin or Paul Gostad went out and took the face off. Yep. Wasn't Danny Briere. Eh, might've been Chris jury, but it wasn't, it was, it was, you know, ask Kevin Adams who took the face off in the, the final face off in uh, the Oh six Stanley cup final up by a goal. Who was on the ice? Kevin Adams took the face off zero points in the playoffs that year. He had zero might've had one or two assists, but zero, like zero goals. And that's not a mock. That just shows the value of each player in, in, on a roster like that. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it's not always the, the, the star dog that goes out there and saves the game for you. So Don Granado's done a nice job by uh, making these decisions. So we can, we can credit Don Granado. Yes. He's, he's done a nice job. Um, let's bring in Jeremy Roenick here. Hey buddy. Happy Where Tuesday. are we now? Where are we now? JR? I'm at home. First time in three weeks. Wow. And I, and I got a couch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I didn't think you were at home because there's furniture there. I got a couch. I'm so happy. The little things in life that make you happy. So speaking, are you, ta- are you, are you taking? Yeah, we're live. We're rolling. Oh, right off the bat. I love it. So listen, so I have a couch. I'm home for the first time in three weeks, which is amazing. So I get to actually do a, like a normal wash of all my clothes. I don't have to live out of a suitcase. And you you talk about little things that make you happy. So I went to Starbucks this morning, which I do every morning. It has has to happen. And it's the first time in I don't even know how long that they didn't have those stupid partitions up. No glass in front of me and the barista. And I can order my coffee. And she heard me. (laughs) And she said, great. She said, I said, good morning. And she actually said, good morning back to me. Cause she heard me. Cause those stupid ass glass partitions that really do nothing. Are gone. They call those, they call those spit stoppers. Yeah. Well, listen on one of those spit stoppers at one point, there was a sign, a written note on them that says, please don't tap on the glass as you may scare our baristas. <laughs> I went, hello, <laughs> hurry up, <laughs> banging on the glass. I'm like, come on. I mean, Starbucks, Starbucks is a joke in terms of its, its politics, but they're, they're one of the companies that are getting it now. So thank goodness for that. 
speaking of banging on the glass i I don't want to get rid of my starbucks so that's good speaking of banging on the glass are you pro or against fans banging on the glass at games to me there's nothing more canadian than fans banging on the glass i love it there are people that hate it i absolutely love i love doing it if i'm at my nephew's game and he's like he's what is he he's eight he's gonna be eight I'm pounding on the glass. I'm like, let's go, you know, but people uh, I, hate I, I'm, it. I'm told, why would they hate it? What's like, what's, what's there to hate about they it? They find like, it obnoxious, I guess. Who finds it obnoxious? Sometimes being in a the hockey players? game is obnoxious. This is great. I love it. Yeah. I you, know what, you know, one of the best situations, the interaction between a hockey player and a fan there was and and Jr. You're gonna know oh. you're gonna know about this one with Steve Sullivan. Do you remember that? Yep. Greatest oh, yeah. story ever. Yep. Steve Sullivan, Sullivan, I think was playing uh, for Chicago, maybe. Um, but Steve Sullivan ended up getting cut. He comes back to the bench. He's sitting on the bench. He's got a towel on his mouth, blood pouring out of his mouth, and the fan that is right next to the glass is is you know mocking steve sullivan that he that he cut his lip and steve was furious okay and the old karma bit just is is wonderful a puck the next period right goes over the glass and hits this guy or hits him in the head same thing the guy is bleeding from his head and there's paramedics coming down to try and get him a towel. And Steve Sullivan goes over the glass and taps the glass and starts making fun of the fan who's sitting there with blood coming down his face. And it, it, it was like awesome. one of the best that is, things that, ever. That's pure karma. That's pure karma. And you remember right? when we talked, remember when we talked about uh, earlier about the things that we miss about the game, like being in the locker room or doing things with the buddies or traveling and all that stuff. What you just said, Riv, I think is one of the things that I miss the most about is that fan communication, that fan participation, yeah. right? Bang in the glass and, you know, you go, you tap on the glass, say hi. Dur- during inter- like during commercial breaks, you know, when we're just waiting for the commercial, I w- sometimes I would skate around. I would, you know, wave to some of the kids, you know, the little camera hole where the, where the, where the, the, the camera guys take pictures or the photographers take pictures. I would yeah. stick my hand, I would stick my hand through there and grab some popcorn out of a kid's uh, kid's popcorn bag and eat it while we're, and he'd, he'd look at me like, what? I'd take the hat off the kid's head and I'd put it on top of my helmet and just have fun with them. You know, those little things that I, that I used to do to make it fun for the fans or stuff like that. But yet that stuff doesn't happen very much anymore. But what I, I was at the Hawks game the other night and I, and I loved, I loved watching this. I sat right behind the, right behind the net and about two rows behind the net. And Blackhawks were playing Winnipeg and Mark Andre Fleury, who I, who I, I love, I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I love everything about him. He's, he's, you know, he's, he does his little skate in between the, the goal and the goal line and does his little skates. And I catch that. I catch him all the time looking at fans and winking at fans and smiling at fans and get, and he's constantly looking at the people that are in, in the, um, you know, in the chairs. And I love that about him. I just, you know, those are the little things that you find about some athletes that are, that, that make them special. And, and Marc-Andre Fleury, who just got Fan experience, to right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Marc-Andre Fleury gets it. You know, I, I don't understand what's, what is, what is it about Marc-Andre Fleury, the fourth leading wins guy, goaltender in all time history. Why, why he gets disposed of so easily. This guy is a, uh, he is a gamer to no end. He's a competitor. Uh, he's friendly. He's, he's, he's seems like his teammates like him. I saw how he was with the fans. I don't know what it is about him. He's on his third team now in, in, in three years. Yeah. Might be because he's that good. Is that quote from him? No, uh, it's real. Not. It, that, no, that quote came from somebody out of Pittsburgh. Go figure. Okay. <laughs> did you hear, did you hear about that quote? Riff? Yeah. Yeah. I did. As soon as I heard, it, I was like, no, that's not, yeah, did that's he a, say that. I mean, you want no. players to say that. I mean, it's kind of like what you know. It's not what Jack was doing, but I mean, it's you'd almost think like you'd want, you'd love it if that were true. But you know it. I mean, you kind of know that that's not true. But first you, of all, first of all, Mark Andre Fleury would never do that. He respects the game too much right. and loves the game too much. Right. And number two, I don't care how bad the Chicago Blackhawks can play, how many games they can lose. <laughs> Chicago is not. A shithole. It is as far from a shithole as you possibly can get. Yeah. So there's no way, no way. And so, and by the way, it's somebody from Pittsburgh. I heard did a you know put that together and threw it out there recklessly. Which again, stupid people, fucking assholes. <laughs> so Jr. Leading into our uh, our uh, trade, uh, we don't have to edit thing. that out, do we, Jr. No. Okay, okay. No. All right. No, definitely not. <laughs> Go, Go ahead, Pete. Go ahead, Pete. People, no, people are, no, people I just are want... calling me. People are calling me a fucking asshole, so I can call them back. I just want to. I just want to make sure we didn't have to edit that out. Go ahead, Rev. What were you asking? No. No, we were just uh, talking about trade deadline. A lot of uh, a lot of action uh, at this year's deadline. Um, there's uh, some winners, some losers. Um, is there any particular team that you think or, or teams that, uh, that look like they've put themselves, uh, in a good spot for, uh, the Stanley cup run? Well, I don't, I don't see how you can't say Florida has put themselves in the best place. Getting Claude Giroux. Um, here you already have a, a, a bomb of a team. We've talked about Florida, you know, extensively how good they are. Um, and going out with Jumbo Joe two weeks ago hearing what he thinks of the team and uh, hearing about that, you know, how they are in the locker room, how close they are in the locker room, you know, hearing from him. I mean, he says one of the best teams he's ever been on. Now you, now you add a gritty, very talented and uh, a very, a very good leader in Claude Giroux. That's, 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 that says a lot to me. If I'm on that team and I'm sure you, you two will think the same thing. If I'm sitting in that locker room, and I see that my GM went out and brought a guy in like Claude Giroux, who's been one of the top five point getters over the, over the, you know, combined over the last five years, six years combined. I mean, that's how, that's how consistent this guy's been that nobody talks about. Um, I'm sitting in the locker room going, shit boys. This, this, the, the management's putting us in position to win a cup. I'm excited. They're helping us now. That would get me all excited. I don't know about you guys, but I always love when a GM goes out and brings somebody in unexpectedly when maybe we don't need him, but we know he's going to get make a lot of of a lot of excitement in the locker room. 
Well, they, I, they, they have I the agree more the yeah. high end skill. They have the mm-hmm. game breakers, the elite players. They have the role players, the physical, the nasty. They yeah. have the penalty killers. They have the second line scoring support players and guys like uh, Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett, um, you know, Verhage, Verhage, Declare this year. Marchment, I mean, Marchment. yeah. Y- you look at the goaltending. The goaltending is solid. Uh, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky is 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 a world class goaltender. Um, you even, look at the defense the core. Kid, even the young kid behind Bobrovsky is sick. Yep. Yep. You know. The defense core is 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 very strong. They have, uh, you know, they, obviously the they're 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 losing their top guy and 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 Eric Aaron Ekblad, but in all reports um, that have that have come out, it seems that uh, you know he'll be out for the next uh, month or so, um, and he'll be back for playoffs. I mean, and they're so deep on the on defense right now that that even with him being out, I think they're going to be, they're going to be strong. They're going to be okay because the, well, they the picked pick up, up Ben Chirac. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. And they yeah. got Robert Hag from Buffalo. So, I mean, they're stacking up on D. I mean, and, and, and by the way, get, having a month off for Aaron Eckblatt could be, could be a, you know, a really good thing. Give him some rest, get him healthy, you know, come back, you know, all juiced up, fired up to go. I mean, cause he's been, He's been one of the best defensemen in the, in the league for the last two years. What's his injury, Riff? He has a high ankle sprain. Oh, no no that's structural not damage. That's not a month. That, and that's, yeah. that's a tough injury to come back from, especially yes, a, like being yeah. a yeah. big, strong, mobile defenseman like that. That like that's, that's an eat. I don't wish this upon him. I'm just saying, like, be careful with that because I, well, I've had that, number one. I sat out four weeks, maybe five with the upper ankle sprain. And then I came back. I thought I was strong. I thought I was back to normal. I went and hit, uh, I was in the minors. I went and hit Wade Brookbank along the boards and I leaned on him and popped my ankle again. I was out for another three weeks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's that's worse than break. Like that's worse than breaking your ankle. You'd, you'd rather him break yeah. his ankle. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think, I think Florida did a really good job. Tell you the truth. You know, we talk about Toronto going out and getting somebody that they really need. You know, getting Mark Giordano, I think, was an awesome move. I mean, that's you bring on another high, you know, high net worth guy, but a, a, another great leader. You know, a, a, a Norris Trophy winner, a guy is that, that enough, can really is add. that enough though? Well, I, I think I think it, for what they need in terms of total defense, a lot of the, a lot of their defense has to has to come from their offense to help them out because I don't think their offense does enough to come back to, to take responsibility to help out their D. But I do think having a guy like, like Riley and to have a guy like Mark Giordano, who again is very good offensively. He's very good defensively, but he's also really good in that room. And I think that room needs more kind of guys like a Giordano to wake everybody the fuck up to bring them all to play the same way. Because I, I really don't know if John Tavares is a is a is a rah rah rock and roll you know chatty guy. He's very timid and quiet. I, I can't see John Tavares yelling at somebody in in the in the locker room to get him going. I can see Mark Giordano doing that though. 
I don't. So, I, I I think the same way about Tavares. I I have so much respect for him, you know, and the way he. Oh, he's unbelievable! Stuff, Absolutely, you know. Awesome. But it's like but at the, the same time, it's like I feel like I, unless he's something completely different behind closed doors, I just don't get this. I think he's just a put on his gear and go and play hard kind of kind of leader. You lead, know, what I lead mean? by example type right. guy instead of the yeah. keep guys accountable type guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing: you're going to need a do you think, really. Do you think, do you think, do you think Sidney Crosby is a, is a guy that would that will that would do that in the locker room? Because I see Sidney Crosby and McDavid kind of being of the same cloth as we're talking about John Tavares, but they're just so good that they don't have to yell at people. All they all they have to do is look at somebody and and just watch how I play. I don't know. It's it's well, I was telling Petey about this. I was telling Petey about this. Um, we were talking about Sidney Crosby, and I, I, uh, I know a guy that played with Sidney Crosby, and we just talked about the environment when things weren't going well and how miserable th- mm-hmm. the environment was. Miserable in a way that the, these high-end players like Sidney Crosby, it was not fun to come to the rink, and they worked – extra hard to get mm-hmm. back into a winning environment so people could enjoy themselves again. Mm-hmm. And that was built by the top guys. That was yeah. built by Malkin. That was built by Sidney Crosby. That was built by Chris yeah. Tank. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Mark Giordano has been in the league a very long time. He's been a captain in this league. He's a very respected player. I'll tell you this. There needs to be a... Toronto Maple Leafs are a fantastic team offensively, mm-hmm. but defensively, I think I don't think they have a hope in heck of of beating, you know, Tampa Bay in the first round of the playoffs. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I think Toronto's but a very got, dangerous you, team. But you gotta give them you gotta give them credit for going out and getting a very, very huge, huge. I mean, because Again, that again in the locker room changes the attitude and the mentality of a team when a GM does his job and goes out and gets what they glaringly need to that extent, right? So, you know, again, I, I, I wish well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I'm a huge Toronto fan. I love being in Toronto. I love the fans of Toronto. It's been forever since they've had any kind of playoff success and you know, it would not be nice to see them do a little bit better. To tell you the I, truth, I didn't understand the entirety of the uh, beef, but I guess uh, Kyle Dubas was pissed off at the GM in Chicago for leaking uh, something about a trade because the Leafs were in on Flurry. Uh, uh, supposedly, there was a deal like uh, being talked about and tossed around, mm-hmm. and then I guess um, it got squashed. And Dubas, I guess, was a little bit pissed off. I don't know if you guys. I don't know about it, but but I could see I could see Toronto again going after a goaltender because that's again that's what they're glaringly need. Um, You know, their goaltending that they were so high on at the end of last year didn't really pan out this year like they thought. But um, I I think he was pissed off that one of the deals was reported because um, I think there was a deal Hagel and Flurry trade talks with Blackhawks were reported. So somebody. Someone talked about it and then Hagel got moved. I think, where did he go? Seattle? Tampa, 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 Tampa. Tampa. Um, and then um, uh, Flurry 
obviously gets dealt. So, I mean, like the, the deal completely fell through, but I guess he was, it was reported by uh, uh, Dreger on Saturday that the two teams had discussed a deal that would have sent the two players to Toronto in exchange for goaltender, Peter Morazic and forward prospect, Matthew Nyes and a first round pick. Boy, that, the that, that would have been, that would have been great for the, that would have been great for the Leafs and it would have been wow. great for the, would have been great for the Hawks too, but wow, that's, that's, that is, I would be pissed if I was Dumas too. I would be pissed. Yeah. Yeah, How far off is uh, Jake Muzzin? He's another guy that uh, you know has is is injured right now. Um, but I mean, Toronto desperately misses his yeah. style of play. Well, I will tell you, when he got traded from LA to Toronto, I I actually loved the trade for Toronto because I knew that Toronto was one of those teams defensively that if I was a forward, I would go in front of the net and put a picnic table down and enjoy a, a glass of wine and you know, a, a beautiful meal and not get touched. Right. So when Muzzin went there, I said, listen, this is a guy who's big, strong, has some, has a mean streak and can now defensively, he's, I'd say he's, you know, he's a little bit better than average. He's not great, but the edge that he, that he carries the, the, the stick, he's, he's a slasher. He's a yapper. He's an instigator. And you need those type of defensemen in front of the net to help out your goaltender. I, he I, he needs to come back. I mean, I was I was I was kind of pissed off at Muzzin when he attacked Matt, Matthew Kachuk uh, after the game of, of you know last year. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was a bullshit bullshit play after after the horn sounded and whatever. But I like Jake Muzzin. I think he's I think he's a very very a needed needed defenseman in the game today. Yeah. But did you just say that know. you feel who did he attack after the game? Matthew Kachuk right after the whistle. You don't remember that last year? He probably you deserved remember? it. Well, whether he deserved it. You're tell me right did, now that Matthew what, Kachuk is the one what, guy that you're going to sit here and say, well, you know, uh, shouldn't yeah. have done that. He attacked Matthew Kachuk. What do you think Matthew Kachuk did the entire game and probably all hey, games previous to that? Hey, hey, when you do, when you do what he did after after the horn is blown, at the time what did he, he do? did it, he, he he went after him and 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 suckered him, clotheslined him, like way after the whistle that the horn had already blown for the game to be over. You want to go after the kid? Wait for the game. Wait till the game's over. Go right to him and 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 challenge him face to face when the game's going on. You know, you don't do it after the whistle after the horn is gone when the kid has his back turned to you. You know, you do it the right way. And then, by the way, I, yeah, maybe Matthew Kachuk did deserve it. By the way, Matthew Kachuk is a guy that you would take on your team, might take on my team, and seven days a week, you Anytime. know, three, 365. So, Anytime. but it's, it's, it's the way that you do it. I had no problem, yeah. you know, again, and, and this is a Drew Dowdy, Matthew Kachuk. They, those guys go after each other during the game and they, each other, they yell and, and they, they yell at each other in the papers, but, when it's after the game is over, when the horn is blown, you don't do cheap shots and do you know stupid shit like that. And Muzzin did, but I don't know. I'll give him a pass on that one for this time. But you know. <laughs> uh, so who's your favorite after the deadline? Were there any deals? I mean, that that you saw that were like, wow, that team's a lot better right now. You know, I think Boston got better. That Lampus him uh, is a good hockey player. He's a really good hockey player. I think they they improved themselves. Um, I think 
I didn't, I, I, I was surprised that Colorado didn't do anything, you know, massive to, to enhance their chances. Cause they always seem to be, you know, you know, a dollar, a dollar short, a daily About a dollar week short. Before the deadline, they grabbed Josh Manson, which I thought was interesting. That was a guy that we were hoping yeah. would come to Buffalo. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's not like your blockbuster, but that's a, that's a nice pickup. That's a great, very good pickup. Again, a lot like Jake Muzzin, like we're talking about. This is a guy who's tough, you know, plays you know, pretty solid defense. He's not going to be great offensively for you, but he adds that toughness. I don't know. I, it, but you look at I Colorado and how they've, the, the season that they've had, maybe they haven't had to tinker around and add because they feel that the four lines they have are, are strong. Yeah. They have great goaltending right now. And they added a more of a battle tested type older defenseman in Josh Manson, who's going to be more physical and more in the grind when, when they hit the playoffs, this team is so deep. It's like, why do you need yeah. anybody do you think, else? Do you think that they're in, in the locker room? They're of the mentality or at least the attitude that like enough already get me to the playoffs. We know we're going to get to the playoffs because this is a team that they know they can win a cup and they're like, just get us back to the playoffs. We screwed up last year, you know, screw this, this regular season bullshit, get us to the playoffs and we can turn it on. Well, that's a good question for you. Like Jared Bednar, do you think that, how do you think that he needs to channel? Like, what is the cookie at the end? Is the cookie winning the president's trophy? Like they're in first place. They have, you know, Florida Panthers right behind them. Right. That's a jinx. That's a jinx. The president's trophy is a jinx. It's a curse. It's a, it I, you know, I won one in Buffalo in 06, 07. And I remember we were, I was in Toronto after a game and I, a uh, guy that I played junior hockey with in Georgetown tier two junior, before I went to the OHL guy's name was Rob McLeod. He came to the game and he, he had a couple buddies there. And, uh, you know, one of his buddies said, think you guys are going to get the, and he, and he meant it harmlessly. I mean, it's totally innocent question, but not something I would ever ask a pro athlete. Like I would never ask you guys or anything, but they're like, uh, think you guys will, will get it done. Or do you think you guys will, you know, win the president's trophy and have do the president's trophy jinx. I'm like, what, what did you just say? Like, what are you, yeah, you it is terrible. So I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's four or five teams that have won the president's trophy that have been knocked out in the first round. Uh, but I've been a part of two of them, whether it's four or five or maybe six, I've been on two of them and it's the worst feeling. I never wanted to win the president's trophy. I didn't get anything for it. I don't give a shit about a trophy. I don't care about being on the best team in the league. What I want to do is win a, win a Stanley cup. So no, I don't think Colorado cares two shits about winning the president's cup trophy. To tell you the truth. They want to win the big one. So no, I don't think Bednar. The only to benefit to winning the president's trophy is that you get home ice advantage through the playoffs. Yeah, but so that you, doesn't even matter anymore, Petey. And that don't you get anymore. don't you get a chunk of change too? What'd you I think for? we got ten grand. There was a bonus of ten grand, but to I you guys, I don't remember. I don't remember getting it. Yeah, it's because you don't remember getting it because it was in it. <laughs> that that ten grand was in and out of your account like a fucking fiddler's elbow. <laughs> it, pro- it, it probably went to Caesars. What probably went to Caesars yeah. before I even opened the check. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking, of, speaking of gambling, speaking of gambling, Washington Capitals on Sunday lost again to Dallas 3 2. 
I know I texted you guys the other day before the game. Hey, bet on Dallas. It's Sunday. Washington's going to lose. They lose. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I keep watching I, that I Dallas Stars. Yeah, right. It's not a good situation for the Vegas Golden Knights and Jack Eichel. I mean, they're just they're in a free fall uh, fall right now, and you know they're uh, what is Dallas at? I think they're they're like one point behind, but they have um, four games, five games four in games in hand. This mm-hmm. is not looking good at all for for Vegas, and they just run into yeah. so many injuries. It's yeah, it, it seems like they're. They're in uh they might yeah. very strong chance they might miss the playoffs. Well, Jack yeah. left the game the other night with uh we talked about it the yeah. other day, Riv, hand slash neck, because you know yeah. he, he got hit in the head uh when he fell to the ice and he was stretching his neck out on the bench, but then he took the slap shot to the hand. Then they beat the Kings on Saturday night five to one, and then they lose last night to uh was it but he the, played in both those games. He though, did right? play, Correct. yeah, he did play. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, you don't want to see uh with uh with the situation with Jack and his surgery and his neck and coming back and you know, but you see you say that about Vegas and not looking good. I mean, who are we blaming there? You can't blame Jack, obviously, but can't have you seen Jack. their injuries? Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're they're running it. They're running into a tough, tough situation with players. No question. If they can it. hang on, if they can hang on for a little bit and get some guys back the last four or five games of the year, and they can get in the lineup, win some games, squeak into the playoffs, they could still make some noise. But yeah. not with all these. What, I'm telling you what, Mark having Mark Stone out hurts them so bad. I mean, here's a guy that does not look great, like flashy playing the game. Yeah, but this guy. This guy is one of the smartest hockey players and a really good goal scorer, good leader. Not having him in the locker room and on the ice is very, very detrimental to Vegas, I think. Alex Martinez, Mark Stone are both on long-term IR. You have Brayden mm-hmm. McNabb. You have Riley Smith. You have Robin Leonard, their number one goaltender. Mac Pacioretty. I mean, that's, that's their team. That's, that's their, their core. team. It's That's a huge, team. huge part of, of uh, players out of their lineup. And, uh, and you know, listen, William that, Carlson is not having the greatest season. So he's... That's uh, what I was just going to say. You're reading my mind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and on a, top of all that, you know, Carlson and, and Marcia So is, is a good player, but he can't carry that team. No chance. Yeah. You know, so I'm shocked I, at I, what I think, Mark Stone has turned into. I mean, I remember his first big year in Ottawa when he put up like 25, 26 goals. And I just remember thinking, all right, all right. He's going to have like a flash in the pan type season. You know what I mean? And the next year, the next year, and he just kept going and going. And it's like, and because you don't expect that stuff from a six round pick, right. You know, and then you're like, he's awesome. I got to tell you a funny story about Mark Stone. So, and I love Mark Stone. I think he's awesome in every aspect. You should see this guy hit a golf ball. This guy hits a golf ball off the planet. Okay. So I'm playing golf with him one day in, um, up in Vegas. And, um, after the round we're sitting, we're sitting, having a couple cocktails. This is, this is after last year's season. It's and like I don't know at 11, know. 1130 in the morning. Uh, yeah, it was about 1230. Yeah, it was, <laughs> we were, but we've, we've been drinking all, all morning. So it doesn't matter. But anyway, I don't know if you guys know this about Mark Stone, but you'll, you'll be able to see it. And I looked at Mark and I said, I said, Stoney, how the fuck do you do it? How do you score goals and control the puck the way that you do? How, how, like, 
you, you like have the biggest knob on your stick of anybody I've ever seen. Have you ever seen a knob on a stick? I have it's not. like this big. It's like this <laughs> really? big. It's bigger than it's bigger than than my coffee cup. I swear to God, it's like his whole hand does not fit around his glove. He he's got the like when he sits on the bench, you can't even see his face because the knob sits in front of his whole face. <laughs> He got. He has the biggest butt end knob of anybody I've ever seen. I'm like, I don't know what the reason for that is, and I don't really want to know the reason personally why you have a big knob on your hockey stick. But I don't know how you do it. That is insane that you can play the game the way that you do when you can barely hold the the stick because the knob is so big. And he started laughing. He started laughing. Oh, it was so funny. I just googled That's- Mark Stone's knob. Not something I want to Google too often. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, hockey sticks came up. I'll, that's all I'm happy well, about. I will, I will tell you this. There it I is. Will, yeah, see, I told you. Look how big that thing is. I mean, that's like ridiculous. That's and a lot of work. That's a lot of work right there. Dude, that's, that's a that's, that's craft craftsmanship at its finest in in the hockey form. Yeah, that's you know. thirty minutes. Thirty minutes per stick. Thirty minutes to do that for yeah. sure. And I'll tell you, I said to him, and I, if you said Mark Stone's knob. I actually said that to him. I said, man, you must have a big old pecker to be using a knob like that for the comfort of your stick. <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing. I'm like, gosh, that's impressive. Not only the way that you play, but the, that you can play with a knob like that. That's insane. That is crazy. Wow. That's crazy. Right? The only, the only guy that I've seen that has a knob that big was Steve Thomas. On both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to, I would love to have a conversation someday on this show about the biggest horns in the locker room, but we'll save that. Uh, for, we'll save that for uh, another day. Maybe a um, lot of bird, a lot of bird, a lot of bird watching in the locker rooms over the years. A lot of bird watching. Hey man, there's sometimes you're just, you know, blown away. <laughs> you know, you know, I've seen a few baby arms in my day. I'll tell you that. That's, that's for damn sure. What do you think I, about I, the Rangers? I, I think I wrote. I, I think I wrote in my book how one of my one of my teammates used to used to used to hang it out a zipper and just <laughs> see if anybody see if anybody noticed. And he did it in front of my wife. My wife comes downstairs, and there it is. And my wife comes down, and you would think it would take you a few minutes to notice, but my wife comes down, and says, "Oh my God!" Turns around, and <laughs> can I can I tell you guys a story for a second? I remember. It was definitely, you know, when things were going well. So it was either 0506 or 0607. I poked a hole in, in the newspaper, like the lower part of the newspaper, okay, through someone's head, okay? And I put my pecker through it and I walked around the locker room. I was like, hey, you guys read the news? You guys read the news today? Guys, I was like, no, no, no. And they looked, they'd be like, oh my God. And, <laughs> and there was my dink sticking, sticking through the, uh, the newspaper. Uh, you know what? That's the shit you get but, away but, with in a locker room. That, yeah, but that's the fun part of being in the locker room, right? That's stuff the, like that you can't, you couldn't do that at the, at the local coffee shop. You know what I mean? You can't grab the local paper and, no, and pull no. something like that off. So, anyway, uh, but 
Rivs, Rivs is focusing over there. He's probably doing his uh, yeah. saber. Rivs stays, Rivs stays away from the Pecker conversation. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, oh, he's, he's like, so I'm not like, doing this. Yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to get into this. I don't, I don't know what people are going to think of me if I talk like this. Can we this. please get back? To, can we please get back to? Hockey? Can we get back to? Listen, hockey? I'll let you guys talk about knobs and peckers and everything else, and I'm going to write down my top three um, uh, biggest horns on the West and the East. Oh, <laughs> that's what I was doing as you guys were talking about. We thought, we thought, we thought you were going to give us your big, your biggest peckers. We thought you were way cooler than that, Riv. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Rim. Give us your fucking picks for the East. <laughs> Give us your three biggest peckers in the East. Let's go. Oh my god. Go ahead, Rim. Bring 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 our bring our uh, fun show back to seriousness here. Oh, that's funny shit, man. <laughs> what do you got to add, Riv? Who are you writing down? The Rangers? Yes, like de- dealing with young children with you guys. <laughs> I, I didn't want to grow up. Yeah, I'm a Toys R Us kid, man. <laughs> I, I like. I didn't realize you were so serious. You know what I mean? He is. He's uh, one guy. Hey, when he's on record, Jr. He's one guy. When he's not recorded, he's another guy. Oh, I know, Rim. I listen. We've talked about it. I one of my favorite people in the world. I know exactly how Riv is. And uh, that's why you got to love him. You got to love him. He keeps, he keeps us honest right now. Trust me. He keeps us honest to a certain extent. I feel the I feel like the guy at the back of the bus right now, who just basically was told by the captain to grow up. But, but yeah, but, by the way, I can, I, even though I can't see Riv on the screen at all the time that we're, that we do all of our podcasts, but I know that I will say something and I and Riv will go like this. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with that at all. If I stay quiet, am I guilty by association? <laughs> and Rivs is the kind of guy too that'd be like, "Well, I wasn't talking about it. They were." <laughs> exactly. Okay, Rivs, who, who are your who are your top three in the East? Let me have it. Uh, my top three in the East on a nice serious note. Now Florida Panthers, Carolina hurricanes. And I have, uh, I no, I have the Pittsburgh uh, penguins. Wow. Yep. That, wow. That surprises me. That surprises me. Yep. I think the and- Rangers, I think Tampa Bay are, are two monster teams that, uh, that can do real well, but uh, I mean, the Bruins weren't even in a thought in a, in a thought process of that, were they? Not at all. I wow. think Toronto does ha- doesn't have any chance. I don't think Boston has a chance or Washington. I, I think don't think the, the Washington team, has a chance. I don't think yeah, Washington the top three teams. Either. I mean, listen. I mean, Carolina and Florida. I think they're they're just they're so deep. And then it just comes yeah. down to who do you want to pick out of Tampa Bay Rangers and Pittsburgh? Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, that's, did, that's, did you guys that's talk about, did you mention Carolina? That's who number two was. Dude, I didn't hear. I went serious put, right now. Uh, I, after Are you still after, got pecker in uh, pecker in your mind. No, I went body? to get a, I went to get another ball of water. Cause I, sure. I couldn't, I couldn't handle the transition from such a fun, lighthearted. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, did you get hit in the head by a pecker? Like within exactly. the last 15 seconds. 
Sorry, I didn't hear you say that. I put my my headset down to go and get a water. Carolina number two, eh? Max Domi yeah. deal does that for you? Uh, no, I just I, I think with even Max Domi is going to be a, a a nice addition to Carolina, yeah. but I just think they're so structurally sound. They're so well coached, and Rob Brandamore so well coached, so well coached. They yeah. they do not score. Um, well, I shouldn't say they don't score. They don't score like Florida, maybe, but. They're they're so defensively responsible. They're going to win through playing great defense, and I think and, they're the best defensive team in the league. And you add a goaltender like Freddie Anderson in there, who who is an amazing goaltender, but he was better than how they portrayed him in Toronto because there's so much pressure, so much eyes, so much tension. Freddie Anderson, I, I think, is going to be up there for the Vesna at the end of the year, he's had that kind of year. You put him in that, that structure of a team Riv. I totally agree with you defensively. I think they are going to be so tough to play against. Sebastian Ajo. I mean, he's, he is underappreciated, I think in the league. And I just think their overall, yeah, their overall game in general and how they play is a defense first but they score a lot of goals by playing great defense. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a very tough team to play against this year. hundred percent. I totally agree with you, but Pittsburgh really surprises me. Your, your you know, listen, I mean, me. you got, you got to realize with Pittsburgh, like they are. Sidney Crosby is still playing at an elite level. And this is why, this is why I choose the Penguins. Is Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are still playing at an elite level? They have, you know, players that like Russ. That you Russ know Jake Getzel, Brian Russ, you know Capo yeah. Kakinen, uh, you know even Jeff Carter on the third line center is playing exceptionally yeah. well this year. You bring in Ricard Raquel, who's a goal scorer. Huge. This is going to be a very tough team to play against. Yeah. That was a great trade. We, I, I, we forgot to talk about that Ricard Raquel coming to Pittsburgh. That was an amazing, amazing pickup for Pittsburgh, I think. Because this kid can play the game. This kid is talented. And, you know, I, I just said that Brian Rust has turned into a really, really good hockey player. Yeah. I, think, I think Genzel is one of the most unappreciated goal scorers in the game. And this and they're, kid at, is, they're at a win at all costs right now. That's what this te- where this team is at. You know, when you look at, you know, you know, the Chris Letang, who's 34 years old and, and guys that are on that back end, Dumoulin is starting to get older. You got Jeff Carter, who's 37, Sidney Crosby's 34, Malkin's 35. Like even their so-called younger guys like Brian Rust is 29 years old. I mean, they're yeah. starting to age out and they know that now is the time to win because the window of opportunity for Pittsburgh is closing very, without, very, very quick. Without looking, and maybe you guys have already seen it recently, Craig, maybe you, because you were just there. Tell me how many points Chris Letang has this year. I'm going to say 43. 52 points in 59 games. Wow. I it's love, incredible. I love Chris Letang. It's incredible. As, as a Philadelphia guy, as a Philadelphia guy, it's really hard for me to say I love Pittsburgh Penguins uh, players. But I love Chris Tang. I love Vigeny Malkin. And I've grown to love Sidney Crosby. I, I, I have. I've, I've grown to love him. And I hated playing against him. There was a time when I hated reporting, you know, 
on Sidney Crosby. Let me tell you something. Sidney Crosby arguably plays the hardest minutes of anybody in the National Hockey League, and he's done it for, you know, since the start of his career. And the kid just continues to, you know, to put up numbers and be the, you know, be the poster boy of the National Hockey League. And he's so respectful. He's like, this is, I've said a lot of like mean things about Sidney Crosby and called him a whiner and a complainer at certain times. But you know what? When I go to the side of the rink to do an interview or to talk, you know who's the first person to come up and say hi? Sidney Crosby. And that to me. But I think he's honest. And I think he probably took a serious look in the mirror and it was back in about 2011 or 12 when they lost to the Rangers and he was whining and complaining and whining and complaining. And he, you never heard from him after that since he shut that down that year. And I think the next year they went on, I think it was either the next year, the year after they went on to win like back-to-back cups or something like that within the next couple of years, pretty close. He, um, I mean, I think even deep down, if he were honest with himself, he'd look back and probably say, yeah, I whined a lot. That's why I didn't like him early on. And much like you, I was an Ovechkin guy. Ovi, Ovi, Ovi. Big, strong. Everything was fast-paced from his cars to his lifestyle to everything. I was all Ovi. And then there was like this shift where I just, I was like, wow, man, Crosby gets abused and he's not saying anything. He's getting the shit beat out of him and he's not saying anything. And he just got destroyed in that playoff game and they, you know, they squeaked out a win and, and he didn't complain about it. And then he, he just changed. And I've grown Sydney. Mario Lemieux is without question, my favorite hockey player to ever don skates. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not a hockey fan now. Like I was when I was a kid, but I will say that now more than ever, Sidney Crosby is a very, very, very close second for me to Mario Lemieux. Yeah. And it's not because he yeah. plays in Pittsburgh. It's just because of how he's gone about his business, dominated, conducts himself. Yes. I love and, and, and by the Sidney way, let's Crosby. let's let, let's not take let's let's not forget why this team has played so well too. Because you know, Sully, Mike Sullivan's one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Uh, without question. This guy is an X's and O's guy. This is a good defensive first guy that allows his forwards to go, you know, be, you know, be creative and do what you want to do when you have the puck. But when you don't have the puck, get your ass back. And let's, let's make sure we take care of our end. Mike Sullivan is a, is a X's and O's and a player, player communicative genius. Genius. We can't take How long, JR? How long do the Pittsburgh Penguins have? Like the youngest player, the youngest player on their forward line is Capo, uh, uh, Capo Kakinen. Kasperi. Kasperi Kakinen. Kas, Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen. Son, He's son 25 the, years old. Son of one of the toughest, toughest teammates I've ever had in my life in, in, in Kapanen. Well, you his, probably his, remember this kid running around. Oh, yeah. He, he, used to, he, used to, he used to fire tape balls in the locker room when we were getting dressed. Like the kid would come on the ice and play and play and play and be on the ice before us, be on the ice after us. And when we're in the locker room, he has a stick in his hand. He's, he's, he's stick handling. He's taking slap shots. Literally these tape balls come whipping by into your stall. And, and Kasperi's like, Hey, he's just laughing. Little kid. Then he goes on to play in his, on his team, his young team. And he scores like 10 goals every game. 
like he was a little little skating phenom. He used to skate with my son every once in a while when we were playing, you know, when, when I was in Philly. Um, but his, his dad was like the was like the one of the toughest little fuckers I've ever played with and against. So but you're I to answer your question, Riv, I, I think it's this year, next year, after that, I think I think they're at they're what done. point at what point in time do you because you have Evgeny Malkin is is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Is it is it time to move on from Malkin or or does he still have game left in him? You know, I think I think you know Mal, I think Malkin's going to want to change the scenery. He's been in Pittsburgh his whole career. He's been under Sidney Crosby's shadow his whole career. He's one year older than Sidney Crosby. I wouldn't. I would not. I would not doubt if he would pick a team that maybe might have a chance to win another cup and just get a change of scenery. Is there a team in your mind that that you're thinking? I have two because I have one. I have one right now that's it's glaring to me. I have two and it's glaring to me. New York Rangers. New York Rangers. New York. Is that one of them, Petey? My two, because you know where the the Russians love to go. Miami, Miami, Florida. Yeah. Florida and Rangers. Those are the two teams I'm sitting here going, going like to Florida. They, they all they love, the money. they all love going to South yeah. beach and they all love going yeah. to Manhattan. You, yeah. could you imagine, could you imagine Malkin wanting to go to the New York Rangers with the team that they have right now, the offense, the excitement that they have having Panera in there, having the, having the, the goaltender, the Russian goaltender there. Who's awesome. I'm telling you, don't be surprised if, if, if Malkin says I'm going to the Rangers because they're, but close. he's got to go there. He's got to go there with a, with a cap hit that's going to be extremely, extremely desirable yeah. to the I Rangers. I think it's going to be, well, he's made so much money in Pittsburgh. He's not yes. going anywhere for money reasons. No chance. Can I throw he's another one out to you right now? Because I know the, I know Russian hockey players, they love, they love Florida, but both those two teams are not going to be a, a, a destination for Malkin. You just can't. Montreal. Minnesota. Oh, to play with the other guy. Bill Guerin. I mean, he was a former assistant GM in, in Pittsburgh for a long time, played with Evgeny Malkin. That team is a very, very good team. Okay. They They're are, an they underrated team. And, and, who, uh, they, and who's their little superstar Russian? That's it. Kaprizov. Kaprizov. Yeah. So, you know, you, t- you take a, uh, you take a situation that you can bring in of Evgeny Malkin and, and, and insert him into an already very, and I mean, very competitive team already. That could be a, a game changer for great, the, great, for the Minnesota great, wild. It's a great, great analogy, right? The great. I don't know. I just feel like at his point in the game, he'd want to go somewhere where it's nice weather. Nashville could be an option. I, yeah, I, LA. But, but Malkin's not like that, though. He, he's not that flash and dash type of person. I mean, to, to be able to play behind Sidney Crosby and not have... Have you ever heard Malkin complain about not getting any attention or being behind Sidney Crosby or anything like that? I think I, I think this guy just loves playing the game and he's... I agree. I agree with Riv. I, I agree a lot with Riv. That's a really interesting, especially with the Billy Garrett. Wherever he's going to go, he's going to want to win. And yes, he, and he wants sure. to go to a team where he feels 
that he is going to be in a situation where he's still going to be highly relevant, obviously, but he wants to be in a situation where he can really do some damage. And Mm -hmm. if, if Bill Guerin came to him and said, listen, Evgeny, we'll sign you to a one-year deal. We're not going to hold you down. You'll, you come to our team. You're going to have an opportunity to play with, uh, Krill, uh, you know, Kaprizov. So, I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I totally, That's I totally, I totally like that. I totally like that call. That's a good call. That'll be skip. interesting to see. Sorry, go right. Skip over to the West, Rev. Did you do uh, three the, for the, the West? West? I the West. I have Colorado. I'm a really big fan of Calgary, and I'm a big fan of Nashville. I think Nashville, you know, Nashville to me is going to be an extremely, and I say an extremely dangerous team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, they made a very, very bold move, you know, a calculated decision in their minds. But um, Forsberg, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent, they did not move him at the deadline. Now, if you move him, you're going to get an absolute boatload. Gold mine. Gold okay? mine. But you need to realize Philip Forsberg, who's 27 years old, is coming off a $6 million uh, contract uh, this year, and he's going to be unrestricted. And you have two guys ahead of him, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johnson, both making $8 million. Okay? You have... Um, you know, Roman Yossi, who's making uh, $9 million. I think that um, Philip Forsberg, who I think, uh, if I'm not, I think he scored his 35th goal last night. He's going to score, he's going to score 40 to 45 minimum. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are stacked. They are a very, very um, solid team. And you know what I like about them is they're, they're, after they're, they're elite players, the, the Duchesne, Johnson, Philip Forsberg, Grunlin. Hey, hey, Rev, before you go, it's, it's really important to say that this team is so good because Ryan Johansson and Duchesne finally have found their scoring touch because they went two years. Yeah, struggled. Struggled. And the team struggled. So when with with those two guys with their scoring touch and they found their game makes them so much more dangerous. It's a good point by you. And you just you, you look at you go through their lineup. Um, they have some big, heavy bodies in the bottom part of their uh, their forward lineup. They have the the scoring like right now. Those top guys and and Matt Duchesne has thirty four goals. Philip yeah, Forsberg exactly. has 35 goals in 50 games and Ryan Johnson has 17. So these guys, Roman Yossi is leading the team in points with 77 points in 61 games, 18 goals. He's, to me, he's the best defenseman in the game. That's, that's to me, but you never hear about that because he's in Nashville. I think he's the best defenseman in the game, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, what, so they, they just won a game the other day that shows to me how, how tough they're going to be. They just did, what was their last game over the weekend? I think it was a two nothing game or they played a good team. Who'd they just play? What was their last game? Who's that? Nashville? And I know. And I, yeah. And I know, cause I bet on Nashville and won. Um, who did they play on 
Saturday or Sunday? I'll tell you right now. They didn't play Sunday. They played. Well, they beat Toronto six to three. Yep. They beat Pittsburgh four one. They beat. That's, uh, they lost. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Yeah, go ahead. Nashville uh, beat uh, Minnesota six to two. Yep. So. I think it was you know, the Pittsburgh. I think it was a Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh came in there and they they were. I, I watched a little bit of the game, and their their defense their defense is as a team is really good. Yep. And you can obviously they can score six goals, five goals, four goals. So I that's a good that's a great call in the West, man. That's yeah. a really good sleeper call. Are they a sleeper though? Yeah, I think they are a sleeper because when you, when you just go and look at the, you know, the top of the ranks, you know, the Colorado's, I think Calgary is a very undercover hockey team right now. That's playing exceptionally Mm -hmm. well and awesome. And I mean, an awesome pickup of uh, Tyler Toffoli um, that is really boosted. So they have that physical presence. They have the high end skill set and their goaltending's played great. Yeah, Marks, Mark, Markstrom's played amazing. Like that kid. That's right. So yeah, it's. I like Calgary too. I like. You know Calgary who Calgary picked up too that I think is uh, is interesting. Ryan Carpenter. Talk about a good depth Boston. from He's, Chicago. Yeah, kid from Chicago. He's not a kid anymore, yeah. but I mean, I don't know. I don't. Know. I watched. I watched. I watched him play on Sunday. I watched him play and I, and I, I know the only reason I know Ryan Carpenter is because I literally watched him on the ice with Chicago the other day. And there's a few people that I watched that I just shook my head and said, that guy doesn't belong in the national hockey league. Oh, no Ryan way. Car- no, but Ryan Carpenter wasn't one of those guys, but oh, I, okay. but I don't, but, but I, I remember looking at some of the players and I'm like, hmm, that guy, that that's a good play. That guy, that's a really smart play and plays that no, normally most people won't see. And Ryan Carpenter made a lot of like really smart plays that nobody else would be like, wow. But we were like, and I'm he sitting made, right, right next, right behind the glass. Right. So I can see it. Um, but yeah, that is a good pickup for like a, a fourth line, you know, grinder million guy. dollar like, player plays smart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, that's mm-hmm. in everything you just said, he does all the things that will keep him in the NHL. He doesn't do the things yeah. that'll make him a high paid guy. I mean, he it's makes gonna be a depth guy, season. right? Yeah. It's right. going to yeah. be a depth guy throughout the playoffs, you know, with, he's a guy that know, coach will appreciate, but the fans won't. I'm telling you. Yes. Coach will appreciate it, but the fans won't. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you know, when you're, when your team's led by Johnny Goudreau's having an unbelievable Unbelievable, 28 goals, 80 points, you know, Matthew Pachuk, I, I, he's one of my favorites in the national hockey league. Petey and I talk about him all the time. I would do anything to get this guy on my team. Um, 29 goals from him, 74 Elias Lindholm, 31 goals, 64 points in 61 games. Andrew Majapan, who literally has come out of like nowhere. Yeah. I don't even have any, I don't know much about this kid because he plays yeah, out West. Kid, and kid can play, man. Kid can 30 play. goals. He's got 30 Mangiapane. goals this year. Man, Mangiapane. The kid can play, man. Yeah. That kid can play. There's a couple, there's a couple sneaky snipers on that team. I'm telling you, they play a good offensive game. But and they also a- brought in, they brought in this year, JR, when they went and signed Blake Coleman. 
to be that, that guy who's energy, physical, nasty. He's going to be a playoff guy. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 13 goals, 28 points, plus 13, mm-hmm. 50 pims. He's going to be tough yeah. to play off in the playoffs. That's where you need him most. And we they haven't even Dougie talked Hamilton, about Sean Dougie, Monahan and Dougie Hamilton on the back. And Monahan's been quiet this year, but if he gets going, that kid could play. That That's kid's right. a good hockey player, man. What else Tyler, do they have? Tyler Toffoli they brought what, in. What do they know? have that just puts them over the top, though? They have a coach that's going to scare the shit out of them and going to make them play the way they're supposed to play. Keep going. There's more. There's more to my thought. I think they have the right ingredients. They brought they in Eric Branson. They, they brought in uh, Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, we said we, yeah, we, said, we, told, we said Markstrom. We said that how good he he was. How good Markstrom was playing coming from Vancouver. I played yeah. with this kid his rookie year in the minors. I was I was my last year pro. His first year, his ability and talent was through the roof. This just goes to show is more of an example of like how long it takes sometimes for goaltenders to to find their way and pan out. He's been everywhere, you know. He's been he's been, he he started with Florida, then he went to Vancouver, and then now he's with he's with Calgary, but it took him such a long time. And when he first came to North America, everybody around hockey talked about his athleticism and his potential, but he wasn't there mentally. Like he was, he was all over the place and he has found his game. He's, I guess he's really sharpened up off the ice too, like in terms of how he prepares and all this stuff. And I mean, I'm happy for this guy. I'm happy for this guy. You know, he lost his father a few years ago and, I mean, this is this is big for him. He's found himself a home. I love this guy. Yeah. I, I think I think Riv, you hit it. I think those are the only three teams in the West, though, that really have a shot of, of really doing anything. Minnesota, I think, is a dark horse too. I think they put it together. They they they're 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 big. They're angry. They're aggressive on the forward line, and they've got that sprinkle of eliteness. And uh, they have thrill. the capability. They have the capability. But I will tell you, Minnesota has struggled over the last three weeks immensely. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't, if they don't use this, these last 15 games here, 20 games to sharpen up their game, it, it's going to be a quick out for them. But um, that team has to score goals. I, I don't think defensively they worry. It's they have to score goals in order to win. And when they don't, when they don't win, it's because, you know, they, they shut down Kaprizov, they shut down, you know, uh, they're, they're, their top offensive guys. Like they don't have a lot of top offensive talent, but yeah. they, they find a way to get it done. Are we well, not we talk- showing Edmonton any love? Zero. Mm-hmm. Really? No. Okay. Zero yeah. love. <laughs> sorry. No. Okay. No, Nope. Sorry, McDavid. Sorry, dry sidle. You guys just don't have any support. Like, listen, like I'll tell you this. I will go as far as to say that um, I could see Edmonton winning uh, 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 their first round. And I don't even know who they play. Unless it's against Calgary, they could win. Well, Calgary is going to be first, first in uh, for sure. But when I look at when I look at um, the Edmonton Oilers, I, I I believe that they have the talent to win the first round. Right now, they, they do not have LA. the team. They do not have the team to beat anyone past that. Okay. All right. Well, I just LA I would throw LA, in there. LA, LA 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 would be a terrible team for them to play against. Because their their defense is is very yeah, good. but they you got Drew so Doughty well who's out. I think for the year. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, uh, that's a humongous loss. You got a twenty, you got a twenty-five to thirty-minute guy on the back end that you cannot replace whatsoever. Can't so, replace. Irreplaceable. Yep, irreplaceable. Jr. Before before we uh, let you go here, and and uh, is there anything that you in the league that you wanted to talk about? Because I have one more one more question. I'm going to try to pry a story out of you. I don't know if if you have one and uh, right off the top of your head, but is there anything league wide that you wanted to mention before we before we move on here? No, I think everything's been you know pretty quiet coming into the last twenty games. Tell me this: any trade deadline stories that you have? You ever pack anybody's shit when they come into the locker room? Be like, coach wants to see you. Do you ever you ever pull anything like that? Like, uh, no, I, remember- I will tell you. I'll tell you my favorite trade deadline story my and my worst trade deadline story. Um, so my worst, my worst. And I, I think I told you guys this, I I've never been really emotional about somebody getting traded at, at, you know, off my team. But when Brian Marchment got traded from Chicago at the trade deadline, like Mush and I were, we did everything together. We rode to the, remember, you know, the, the yeah, motorcycle you know, story, the, d- yeah, the, the motorcycle dumb and dumber. story. The Dumb and Dumber. Nuts yeah. to butts, uh, motorcycle ride to the ring. Nuts, nuts to butts. You know, and Mush had a terrible game that night because his his he was so he was so rattled and nervous from being on the back of the bike. Um, but when he got tra- when he got traded, I remember driving home and literally bawling, crying in the car, like bawling, crying. Like I didn't even want to fucking play that night when I found out that Mush that Mush got traded. Is one guy. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget how I felt. But that that was the that was the worst one. The best one, which was really crazy, when I got traded in 1996 by the Hawks, when I went to Arizona, where they came from from um, Winnipeg, I got traded for Alexei Zhamnov, and then a couple couple picks and one player. And Alexei Zhamnov was, you know, he was a phenomenal phenomenal hockey player. And Tony Monti was was I, I look at Tony Monti as he's my soulmate of, of line mates. He's like my soulmate. I could play, I could play with my eyes closed with Tony Monti and know exactly where he is. And we could, we could be like the Sedin twins. So Sedin brothers. And when I left him it was devastating because I played high school hockey with him. I played Chicago with him. We dominated everywhere we played. So I was devastated to leave. But then in 2004, 2004 trade deadline, Philadelphia Flyers trade for Alexi Zhamnov and Tony Amante. And the three of us played on the same line throughout that playoffs here, throughout that playoffs. It was, was that the, the year you guys went down to Tampa in the semis? Yep. Yep. And we had so many injuries. We had so many, we had so many injuries on, on the back end. We had Sammy Kapanen was playing defense we had another four. We had another forward that was playing defense at the time, and we lost in, game, in seven games to Tampa because we knew whoever won that series were going to win the cup because both of us would have beat Calgary that year. You know, no, no question. But to play in a line with Tony Monte and the guy that I got traded for, which I thought was like the most crushing trade maybe in Blackhawks history. I'm just going to say that <laughs> um, was it was really special. And Zhamnov became one of my greatest friends that, you know, one of the, we had so much, so much fun. The best team I've ever been a part of was that 2004, 2005 run. Was Andy Delmore on that team? 
No, <laughs> that was the year before when he got the hat trick in the playoffs. I know he had a hat trick yeah. in the playoffs. I yeah. Think. yeah, yeah. He had that with. Uh, oh, that was with Philadelphia. You know? Yeah, he had that with Philadelphia. Yeah, that was that, that, that was like the year after. I didn't play with Andy at all. Okay, we had him yeah. here in Buffalo. He actually was traded at the deadline to. Where the hell did he get traded to that year? Boston, maybe he might have got traded to Boston. I can't remember. You, last so, thing I'll ask you, Marty St. Louis said the other day, he said, uh, was yesterday, there shouldn't be games on trade deadline day. Agree or disagree? I agree. I agree. Guys' heads aren't in it. Guys, it's really hard to focus for a lot of guys, right? I, I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, if you want everybody there, you want everybody to be ready mentally. There's so many guys on trade deadline that are that are waiting for their phone to ring, aren't sleeping, I don't know how you feel, Riv, but I, I, I 100% agree with that. It's yeah. a day that should be, you know, if you, if, if the, the coach upper wants management to give, day. Yeah. It's upper, upper management, management day. day. Let the, let the players go home, let them have a day off. It should be a, it should be a mandatory day off on trade de- deadline day. And if you want you to come into like the you, rink, do a little extra you, bike ride or whatever, you can do whatever you want, but perfect example. Perfect example. You could be a Dougie Waite, okay? Playing in New York Rangers, going to the game. You get to the game and obviously battling through the traffic to get to Madison Square Garden. You get in the locker room and you're playing the Edmonton Oilers. And all of a sudden, the GM comes down in the locker room. When you're getting dressed, this is pretty close, right? Pretty close to the trade deadline. And you all of a sudden the guy says, um, you got traded to the Edmonton Oilers. What? He had to pick up his stuff and walk from the, his locker room down the hall to Edmonton's <laughs> locker room, change his socks, puts on an Edmonton Jersey and goes out and plays for the Edmonton Oilers. And his wife, Allison comes to the game and she's out, she's with the Ranger wives. Hey, what's going on? And he looks at, and where's, where's Dougie? Dougie's on the other team. And she starts falling, crying right in the middle of the hockey game. He gets traded right then, right there. I mean, obviously you got traded now before three o'clock, but could you imagine being in the city and getting traded to the same team that you're on? Wow. And all of a sudden that happened crazy. Oh yeah. So the, the weirdest, the weirdest or closest thing that I can, I can remember that happening was we traded for Mike Greer in 0304 at the deadline he was in washington we were on our way to washington so the next morning he just came and morning skated with us went back to his house i think packed up the rest of his stuff came back played scored had a big block shot that night and then flies home with us <laughs> that was the day before though but it's just it's kind of like to uh, me i was like wow this must be really weird only hockey only hockey, only, only, hockey. only in hockey. All You're right, the man, to finish, JR. This, to, to finish this, finish the segment. I got to say it because it's been in my face for an hour and 15 minutes. And I know it's been an hour and 15 minutes because I keep looking at the clock behind you <laughs> and there's daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah. Fix that clock. Will you? I was out. Of, I was out of town when, how long was daylight savings this weekend or last weekend? Oh last my God. Weekend. It Honestly. was last weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if you know this, but that clock literally serves no purpose other than filling up a space on the wall. Okay. Oh, okay. dude. It, hey, listen, if you moved it ahead an hour, it would serve a lot of purpose. I just, by the gotta, way. I know. I know. And I yeah. think the government, by the way, I think, I think we're going to save you because I think the government just passed 
a no daylight savings time law, which means that we're not going to be moving the clocks anymore. It just has to be signed by the president. Find You're brain. telling me that they're actually changing that law, that they're changing that, that there's no more. Day- my, my son, Nick yes. told me about this and we had a long discussion about this and I'm not quite sure that I'm, 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 I'm good with this because number one in the summertime, I love how it's light out at nine o'clock, nine yep. thirty at night. And in the winter time, I don't care. It's dark at five. Big deal. I want to go and hibernate anyway. I want those summer hours to be, you know, at nine, nine thirty at night. It's still light. Hundred percent. You got to keep it. That's what makes it. That makes it so much more fun in the summer to the wind. Totally agree. Yep. I don't want to yep. be outside. At, I don't want to be outside at six o'clock or eight o'clock in the winter time. I like it to be light. In the, exactly. in the summertime. There You're kidding me. I knew nothing about this. That's because you know why? Because that's not something I would have ever believed would ever happen. I'm the king of useless knowledge. <laughs> and there it is. It's it's a Seinfeld episode all the way back to the start of the show. Because Craig said that to me when we were recording for the five minutes before you came on. He goes, you are the king of useless knowledge. And I can't even remember what... I said I should uh, have thrown in movie knowledge. I said it's episode sixty nine. I go sixty nine, dude, and I go. Ah, you said sixty nine. Ah, you said sixty nine. Right, and I, I said to what Riff, movie? I go, I go, what, what movie? Mo- what movie, Riff? Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No, Billy Madison. Billy Madison, but Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was. I'm thinking of a number. What is it? And they look at each other and go, 69, dude. You know, and I said that to Riv at the start of the show, too. And But, yeah, I, I, Billy Madison, I'm pretty sure he does say that as well. JR? But the, t- the teacher says, please open your textbooks to page 69. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Great Good show, talking with you, Great boys. Show. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks, JR. Stuff. Right, See guys. you, buddy. See you. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.